0: you're listening to The Materials Pod, an occasional podcast from Sandvik, and my name is Phil Etheridge. I'm here this morning with Mark Newman, and Mark is our global trend analyst attached to our research and innovation team. Mark is based in Singapore. And Mark, how long have you lived there?
1: Uh, I first moved there in 1998, so I've been living in Singapore now for the last 20 years. Uh- Originally, I moved there as an expatriate, working for Sandvik within the tube division. Um, But after that contract finished, I actually settled in Singapore and became a permanent resident.
0: And you get sick of it being warm all the time, I guess?
1: Yes, I do indeed. It's nice to be back in Sweden, where there's a metre and a half of snow on the ground.
0: We're going to talk about an article which Mark has written, uh, which is published on our website, materials.sandvik about renewable energy and in the article, Mark, you refer to the International Energy Agency and their World Energy Outlook. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: So the, the International Energy Agency is, is an agency financed by the OECD based in Paris and every year in November they publish a report called the World Energy Outlook. It's a report based on a, on a series of different scenarios, which looks at what might happen in the energy industry forward to about 2040 in this particular case.
0: Mm. It's split into various uh, different areas like coal, natural gas, oil, nuclear and renewables. And uh, when well, we're going to talk about renewables, and these are all located within the power segment.
1: Yes. Well, the, the outlook looks at all of the different products that I used for manufacturing electricity, for example, and when you're talking about producing electricity, that's what what's referred to as the traditional power applications. But oil, gas, and coal, for example, all have additional applications which are described as transformation, where they're used in industry, for example, making plastics, making chemicals. um, Coal, for example, is used for reducing iron ore in the steel industry and so forth. So the two different sectors are transformation applications which are not power-related and then power-related applications which are basically about heat and electricity generation.
0: Okay, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Which energy options do we have in today's electricity mix?
1: So the the backbone of energy production in the past, or power production in the past, electricity has always been coal. But, but from the point of view of, of renewable energy, coal is also the dirtiest fuel which generates the most CO2. And since the striking of the Paris Agreement in 2015, there is now a, a consistent attempt by the world to reduce the amount of CO2 emissions, and greenhouse gases in general. Which means that the the types of energy used in the future are more likely not to be based on the traditional fossil fuels as coal, gas and oil. But you're seeing a, a bigger a bigger range of renewable options being introduced mm. certainly in in the power segment.
0: And I've understood from your article that, that things are changing kind of rapidly. And you described two main trends which are what
1: something that's happened which is quite surprising to a lot of people is the actual speed of the increase of renewable energy sources in the past the the, the backbone of energy production or power production in the past has been coal coal-fired power stations that's been supplemented also by gas-fired power stations um Contrary to what a lot of people believe actually, oil is very rarely used for generating electricity these days. So the backbone has always been coal as I mentioned, gas as a dispatchable source, but then you have nuclear energy and also a growing amount of renewable sources too. Um, if you want to go into detail about the renewable sources, the two sources that are having the most impact at the moment are wind turbines and solar Photovoltaics.
0: What do they call them? Sun cells? Oh, no, solar, solar cells. cells.
1: Yes, solar cells based on silicon, basically.
0: Hmm. So, if we talk about heat and power, yes, um, how great the proportion of that comes from renewables globally.
1: Okay, within the power segment, approximately twenty-five percent of the of the the contribution comes from renewables.
0: Okay, but, and, but and renewables includes. What do we what do we include in that?
1: Um, traditionally, uh, renewable energy has come from mainly hydropower, which is uh, water dams and so forth, mm. and from biomass.
0: And biomass is what?
1: Basically, wood for cooking.
0: Yes, for cooking and heating. So, a, a, a quite a large proportion of of people around the world uh, they would go out into into the bush and indeed, that's what that's what that's what the, the
1: IEA refers to as traditional biomass. Okay. But there are more modern versions of biomass coming on in the future. Mm.
0: And what sort of predictions do we get for biomass?
1: It's that Biomass is likely to, to grow but it's unlikely to grow within the traditional segment. You're likely to see more sophisticated methods of, of, of biomass um, which means basically uh, extracting ethanol from from biological sources.
0: You mentioned two main trends in your article. What can you say about those?
1: The, the, major, the first trend is, is the major increase of the electrification of many applications, including heating and personal transport. But on, 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 the, on the other hand, you have a vast increase in the amount of renewable electricity generation.
0: And this will continue to grow?
1: Absolutely. From today, more than 50% of all new electricity capacity on the market anywhere comes from renewable sources and those two renewable sources the two major renewable sources are actually wind turbines and solar photovoltaics
0: oh if we look at solar cells and wind turbines how would you describe the difference between those two forms of energy generation
1: okay so th- the key thing is when you when you when you look at the overall production of electricity you have different types of energy in the sense of base load Energy production, or baseload electricity production, and then peaking energy production, because the use of energy isn't consistent throughout the day. You get peaks and you get troughs in the whole production. Certain certain techniques of producing electricity, for example from coal-fired power stations, are described as baseload, because that means basically when you when you're running a coal-fired power station, you produce the same amount of electricity twenty four hours a day which can't be varied but the use of electricity isn't stable like that so you have to have certain other techniques which will provide electricity when there's a peak in demand or when there's a trough in demand
0: and this means that you have to or what you want to do is to be able to save that electricity in some way
1: S- certainly in the case of renewables in terms of wind and solar they're dependent on the weather and the use of electricity isn't dependent on the other on the weather Therefore, um, intermittent sources such as wind and solar have to be able to be stored.
0: So if we look at solar power generation or solar electricity generation and wind power, uh, how would you describe differences between those and also compared to other ways of, of producing electricity?
1: Right. So... Wind power and photovoltaics, or solar cells, basically are what are described as intermittent forms of energy, which means that when it's windy or when it's sunny, then you can produce a lot of electricity. But unfortunately, the use of electricity doesn't depend on the weather. Therefore, these sources of electricity can actually have a destabilizing effect on the grid and the supply of energy. So uh, it it's... Introduces a, a huge need for storage of energy, so that you can use it when you want to use it, and not just use it when the sun's shining or when the wind's blowing.
0: And storage of energy is one of the biggest problems that we have today. Um, I mean, we're looking at we're looking at batteries of as a way of storing energy. But what other ways can we do that?
1: The traditional method and the most efficient method, are actually, in 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 the context of coal-fired power stations is that when when you create energy that you can't use at a particular time, for example during the night, then you have two options. Either you store that energy or you just throw it away. And that's obviously very wasteful. Um, What's been used in the past is, during the night in particular, is that when you're making electricity that you can't use, store it by pumping water up into a reservoir, creating potential energy that can be used then when you have a demand peak.
0: Mm. And that's if you have a reservoir?
1: If you have a reservoir. And they are limited in, 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 in by location, because if you don't have a, a raised reservoir, you have no possibility to store the energy. So there's a limitation on, on, on what can be done there.
0: So which other storage options do we have, Mark?
1: The one area that's received the most publicity and uh, is on track to to achieve a, a series of goals is the use of batteries, in particular lithium-ion batteries. And uh, this is this is quite a hot topic at the moment, particularly in, in in the area of personal transport, for example, more electrical cars and so forth. But when you're talking about grid-scale storage for electricity in general and batteries have a certain limitation because the 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 amount of energy they can store won't really help you if the sun or the, the sun doesn't shine or the wind doesn't blow for a week for example so alternative methods are required in that case
0: and which alternative methods are there
1: there is a variety of technologies being discussed um including flywheels including compressed air for example um, Another other means too. But the one thing that is particularly interesting is the production of hydrogen used in in fuel cells, for example.
0: So what about storage of electricity from wind power?
1: So it's possible to store electricity that's generated from wind power in batteries. But the amount of energy that you can store in a battery is is quite limited, certainly on a grid scale. It's probably okay for for operating a, a car, or a computer or something, but if you want to store a lot of energy that's going to be used when, when the wind's not blowing or the sun's not shining, then then there aren't that many options yet available.
0: Where wind turbines are concerned, you can only produce electricity when the wind is blowing. But you also mentioned the fact that the turbine needs to be able to turn to face the direction from which the wind is blowing to capture the energy it
1: contains. Correct. That's right. Um. Wind turbines move, and they have to be able. You have to be able to control the movement of those turbines in a way that they they collect the most energy from the wind, and it's called heave and yaw. The way that they do it is through hydraulic energy or sort of hydraulic power, and and that's controlled by stainless steel tubes. As a matter of fact, which is particularly interesting for us.
0: Mm, one of one of the things that we've uh, we've talked about. Earlier was, was the uh, the fact that that many of these wind turbines are being placed in seawater, indeed, close to the close to the coast because of, because of the wind.
1: Exactly, offshore wind is you can describe it probably as the next wave of wind power. Everybody's familiar with with wind turbines and windmills being built on land, um, but offshore, actually, the wind is a little bit more reliable. And it's certainly stronger so you can generate more electricity from wind if you actually put them out in the ocean.
0: Mm. But that creates its own problems.
1: It does indeed because the ocean we know from many years of, of supplying tubes to the oil and gas industry is extremely corrosive.
0: So if we were to pick up an onshore wind turbine and put it in the ocean what would be the result of that?
1: The basic result That I I would predict, actually, is the fact that solutions that are are designed to go onshore are likely to suffer from corrosion when they go offshore. And the, the, the main thing I'm trying to say there is that quite standard materials are used for onshore applications because they know they're not going to be subjected to a particularly corrosive environment. But we know from all our years of supplying materials to the offshore industry that seawater creates a much more aggressive corrosion environment than onshore.
0: And which would result in, in a failure of some sort.
1: I think, well, th- that's what I predict. I would say that within a few years, we're likely to see corrosion of the of the hydraulic tubing used to control the heave in, in your on offshore turbines.
0: So if we talk about other kinds of renewable energy, uh, you mentioned solar thermal energy, which apparently includes concentrated solar power. Would you like to... Uh, Elaborate
1: on that a little. Well, for for many years there was there was competition between two different types of of solar electricity production. One is based on photovoltaic cells, which are made from silicon. In principle, the other was something called concentrated solar, where you use the heat of the sun to make electricity, basically by saving the heat from the the sun, and then transferring that heat through a boiler into steam power. So concentrated solar power is an alternative form of solar energy whereby electricity is generated from the heat of the sun rather than direct production of electricity from photovoltaic cells. In this case, you use the heat of the sun to store energy within melted salts or melted metals such as lead. Mm. Um, The heat that you then have stored in, in the the metal or the salt is then transferred to steam through a boiler, in the same way as you you generate electricity in a coal-fired power station. Okay,
0: so it's basically the same. It's just that that source of energy that uh, that's different in indeed, this case.
1: Yes, indeed. But the actual the actual electricity generation comes from a from a steam turbine in exactly the same way as a coal-fired power station. Mm. What about
0: geothermal energy?
1: Geothermal energy is a very interesting, a very interesting method of, of energy generation in the sense that geothermal wells produce baseload energy in the same way as coal. So they produce the same amount of energy day in, day out. There's no intermittency as you have with wind turbines or, or photovoltaic cells, for example. Mm. Um, what's interesting about geothermal energy is the fact that the geothermal wells that you generate the energy from tend to be extremely corrosive.
0: And also, the geothermal wells are centered in certain parts of the world. I know that uh, in in Iceland, for example, in Italy, in Indonesia, and
1: various other places. Essentially, geothermal energy comes from volcanic heat, and that's only accessible in certain areas of the world. It's not something that you can build anywhere. So... Um, Places like the Philippines or Japan or New Zealand or Iceland who have a very sort of volcanic environment. For example, in Asia, most of these um, geothermal plants are are built around what's called the ring of fire, where you have edges of of, um, geological tectonic plates which are exposed to energy.
0: So how do you generate energy uh, from a geothermal well?
1: Okay so so basically you drill a well into a into an aquifer that's already heated by volcanic energy when you drill that well then you can actually release steam that's present in 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 the the earth's crust and the steam can then be used to turn a turbine and then make electricity from the from the steam turbine
0: you also mentioned biofuel as a segment uh, which is for coming for the future.
1: Yes. In contrast to traditional biomass where people just burn wood basically to, for cooking or for heat, modern biomass involves two basic technologies. The first is that you burn plant matter in adapted coal-fired power stations, either exclusively or through co- co-firing with coal. Um, the second method is when you use biomass or plant matter to actually make ethanol that can then be used as a fuel. Basically, making ethanol is the same as making beer.
0: So, to round this off, Mark, um, future materials needs for electricity production was the last paragraph in your your article. Could you describe that a little?
1: Yes. One of the largest uses of stainless steels in electricity generation in the past has been in the use of boiler tubing for coal-fired power stations. But at its core... The Paris Agreement is about decarbonising electricity generation, which means we can expect to see fewer new coal-fired power stations to be built in the future.
0: Uh, Okay, and decarbonising basically means reducing the amount of CO2 that's pumped out into the air.
1: Absolutely. But what we see at the same time is that these renewable technologies will also face materials and corrosion challenges themselves. Yep,
0: because of the environments that they are being used in. Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming along to chat, Mark. I'd like to encourage people to also read the article, which can be found on and under News and Media Features. Thank you.